Welcome into the Bad Fan. We have reached the World Cup break. It is here, which means the Premier League and other major leagues around the world are at a pause until Christmas. So let's see where things are leaving off in the Premier League and why the biggest headline at the break involves no other than Cristiano Ronaldo. All this today on the Bad Fan. Your journey begins right now. Welcome into the Bad Fan. I'm your host, Cole Carter, and we are glad to have you alongside us today. As you can see, I'm here with Stephen Curl and Brandon Pacenick to help us break everything down today. Guys, good to have you back. The three of us together on the Bad Fan once again. How have your weeks been so far? Are we feeling excited about the World Cup coming up? Yeah, some mixed emotions, but I'm ready to back the boys. I think we have a good chance to get out of the group. I'm um, excited to see uh, what happens in the tournament. I uh, burnt the roof of my mouth on a Red Baron pizza, but that, I'm not letting that discourage me because I'm so excited to watch the U.S. on Monday. Um, excited <laughs> to talk about it. And Cole, you know, welcome back to the show. We missed you. Excited to have all three of us on. Excited to talk about the beautiful game. Thank you. Thank you. And actually, two of us are playing injured today. I also burnt my tongue on a bowl of chili. So two injuries coming into the World Cup. We'll see if we can manage things um, coming into it. But hey, as a reminder to you guys, a viewer, um, we are going to do a World Cup focus episode for you guys. So stick around. If you're watching this one, check in the next couple days and we'll get our full World Cup preview and everything you need to know about the beautiful game headed to Qatar in 2022. So stay tuned for that. Today is going to be a lot about the Premier League and picking up real quick on where MLS Cup ended with LAFC and Philadelphia Union. This one was probably one of the most incredible MLS Cup finals that we've seen. Um, LAFC had missed out on the playoffs last year. They sacked their coach, uh, Bob Bradley, the White Walker, and brought in Steve Tarundolo. And after that, guys, really, they saw themselves take off and had one of the most incredible seasons in MLS. Um, Brandon, what was your view on what LAFC did right this year? Um, I don't know. They looked shaky towards the end of the year. They were so hot, and then... When they played Austin in the regular season, I was like, I don't know if they'll have it. Um, finish the year strong and then end up playing Austin again in the playoffs and really took care of business. I think it was 3-1 was the score. And from there, I think we're all hoping, I know Cole and I were, that it was just going to be an LAFC Philly final. We got that, both the one seeds um, and LAFC just ended up winning in dramatic fashion but um lafc great season and same for philly steve what do you see from philadelphia that they did right this season and maybe what kind of fell short with them yeah i mean philadelphia has been building on something um as contrary to lafc um over these past few seasons under um curtain over at um philly but You've had this, like you've had the sense of a clear mission, um, foundation, building corner pieces, solid defense has kind of always been a Philly MO, um, but they mixed in some goals this year. So I think that's what really, uh, you know, this team has had a solid foundation last year going out in the semifinals was a little rough. And but this year they had that it factor, the creativity, um, goal scoring threats up top. And so. But nothing flashy, no bails, no really DPs that were going anything crazy. Um, just Andre Blake, you know, playing solid in the back. Uh, Jake, Jake Elliott, I believe, a center back um, in the back, just solid. Um, so this team was put together uh, holistically um, a lot more uh, than I would say than LAFC. But, you know, they fell short. Uh, it was an incredible game. You can't really fault them, honestly. Um, it was a hell of a game. I think they erased two deficits uh, during the game, just the resiliency. It was phenomenal. Game still couldn't get decided over an extra time. Um, and, you know, that's partially due to Gareth Bale. Uh, but, yeah, and then it comes down the penalty kick, so maybe they got to invest in um, some guys that know how to take penalty kicks next year uh, when they'll probably have a great season again, to be honest. But it, they just fell short at the very end. It's really sad to see for them. Yeah, because as a club, Philadelphia, um, they came in 19-10-5, had the third most goals scored in MLS history, had the second best goal differential in MLS history, two only behind that LAFC team in 2019 when they had 48 um, for their goal differential. 
And then LAFC, they came in with 66 goals scored, 38 against them. Um, and yeah, like we said, they went had some big victories. Uh, but I think aside from that game itself, which ending in penalties, Gareth Bale's heroics, bringing LA a trophy after five or six seasons, um, I think we kind of want to land on what is the future for the union? Where do they go from here? They've had a couple of chances to win some trophies under Jim Curtin. And are they going to stick with them? Do they feel confident moving forward with them? Uh, Brandon, I'll leave this one with you. Is he the guy that Union is going to need to win a trophy with? Yeah, here's my take, and this may be a bad take, but the MLS is still baby. Um, Little baby MLS. (laughs) (laughs) And though it's growing very quickly, um, could be growing quicker, um, but it's growing quickly. It's still not a super high level um, of of soccer. So having a good coach who can bring a strong identity to a team like Jim Curtin, like Jim Curtin makes Philadelphia. It's none of those players work really hard. They do great. But like Steve said, there are no flashy names. You would not know any of those players. Uh, other than the keeper, maybe. Um, so it's like, it's really comes down to Jim Curtin. He's done a really great job with him over the past couple of years. I think over his whole career, probably with them. Um, and I know Steve's probably going to disagree with me here, but you have to keep him, and you keep, you keep on the, the curtain train. Yeah. I think for me, it's, you kind of play this waiting game. Curtin's been in charge um, since 2014 and since then has, you know, led Philadelphia to the first playoff berths and first ever finals, first um, international club wins in the CONCACAF Champions League, um, all of these crazy things. Um, they've been to the U.S. Open Cup final in 2014 and 2015 and 2018. However, they haven't won those. They haven't won those finals um, they bowed out, like I said, last year in the semifinals against NYCFC. Uh, COVID had something to say about that. I will say, I think it's fair to say that 11 players tested positive for COVID, mm, which if you're sorry. a soccer fan, you know, 11 players is equivalent to a whole squad. So, um, <laughs> but everyone's kind of dealing with that, but they still lost to NYCFC in the semifinals. And then they go toe to toe with LAFC this year and they just fall short. Um, Curtin's been on the hot seat once for L, um, not for LA, for Philadelphia, and the board gave him a one-year extension. And that following year, on that, you know, year extension, they won the Supporter Shield, which is technically a trophy in the MLS, most points accrued in the season. Um, but other than that, they haven't won a trophy. Um, and I don't th- think I'd be more like honed in on this if it wasn't for the fact that next to LAFC. It's a very different story of Bob Bradley coming in and having success in general with LAFC barring last year, which is the year that kind of got him fired. Um, but finals appearances, finals appearances against uh, Liga Mechi teams and Champions League games um, just didn't get it done. And it took a change at the helm. So um, to oppose, and it's, to be fair, like Bob Bradley did not make the playoffs last year. And Philadelphia just went to the MLS Cup final. So it's not the same situation. Uh, so, but all this in mind, no trophies besides the Supporter Shield um, since taking over the club. Is it time to move on from Curtin after he just also won his second MLS Coach Award of the Year? Um, yeah. What do y'all think? I think I got, I think I got a keeping him from Brandon uh, before even asking it. But what about you, Cole? I don't think it's time to move on. I've mentioned this when we talked this will more be about eight the, years, by the way. Right. Yes. And I've mentioned this when we talked about Premier League teams and international clubs, whatever. It's more so like who are you actually going to replace them with? Um, in some cases, those are more high profile managers. Like, what are you going to do to replace Thomas Tuchel at Chelsea? Whatever. Um, And so with MLS, it's sort of like he's proven to coach at a high level. I think the fan base likes him. I think the players trust him. Uh, Obviously, winning two MLS coaches of the year, like that's not just something that comes out of the blue. Um, 
I don't think you move on from him. I think, as we talked about, Brent, you said that MLS is still a baby league. You're going to have to have some growing pains, and sometimes that might be enduring, you know, quote-unquote hard times. Losing an MLS Cup final is a pretty good accomplishment, I think, to have. So I wouldn't part with him. I don't know where you would, who you would bring in. Um, there's not just, like, buku amounts of qualified managers that are going to be better than what Jim Curtin's offering. So for me, stick it out. If they don't make the playoffs or they have an early exit the next season, fine. Um, but again, it's he's shown to have a capable squad and has shown his capability as a manager to win um, in different competitions. So I'm, I'm going to stick with Jim Curtin, give him a backing in the future. I love that. And I'm not too really decided on it. I don't know. I'm going to sit in that camp and not give an answer. But uh, and also it's important to say that, you know, LAFC is a 19 million dollar payroll. Their team this year, which is sixth most in MLS uh, to Philadelphia's 10.3 million dollar payroll, which is the 27th uh, highest MLS uh, payroll. So, I mean, that's a Gareth Bale um, inserted somewhere along that midst. And we saw what that kind of player can do in a final um, and even maybe just showing some love to Curtin, is it time for him to move on? Um, you know, this is, I mean, all that success that we talked about, committing to a team for eight years, that's a long time. Um, he's only under yeah. contract through this next season. It was a two-year extension that he signed. So is it time for him to move on? The MLS coach is getting these, like, spec. I don't know. So, you know, a little bit of love to Curtin. Maybe he takes over a job in Europe. Is he ready for that kind of pedigree and whatnot? Seeing Jesse Marsh kind of having success over in Leeds right now um, as an American coach. But, you know, who knows? Uh, but, you know, finals are hard to win. And one last little positive note. He's losing semifinals from the U.S. Open Cup, but he just got to the very first MLS Cup final. Big accomplishment. So you'd have to think the next step is winning one. With a little bit of money, I think he can do it. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think if once MLS, it's obviously not going to happen for, what, three more years when the next collective bargaining agreement comes through? Yeah. Once MLS allows these teams to start spending to their owners' capabilities, that's when I'm all for seeing a little bit more cutthroat action from these clubs, whatever. But, again, these teams are hindered by the salary cap. They're hindered by things like the designated player rule where you cannot spend – like you can other European leagues. So for me, I can't blame a coach a lot, like you just said, based on what they're even able to do financially with MLS rules as they stand now. So for me, I'm just ready for MLS to grow up and to expand its limitations and allow teams to become what their ambitions are. These teams want to become international, you know, staples like Atlanta United, LAFC, um, the New York clubs, like they want to grow MLS to a standard that's beyond what MLS is offering right now, but they can't do it because MLS won't let them do it based on these rules. So they're out of date. It's time for them to grow up. It's time for them to reach out. And I think that's what's going to help managers like Jim Curtin succeed and make the MLS a better product on the field. And I'll just say this, Atlanta United is top three in the league of spending. I'll take Jim Curtin. <laughs> I was so. gonna say. I was gonna say. I hope Philadelphia lets him go. Yeah. And Carlos Bocanegra calls him up because Gonzalo Pineda is not gonna do it, uh, unfortunately. But you want some money? We got some money for you. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, that is, I think, enough about the MLS. Just some really, I mean, a great finish this season and oh, uh, an final. incredible MLS Cup final. Phenomenal. So we'll take that. Um, LA bringing in a trophy. They finally get it done after having been close before, like we talked about. But on to the Premier League. We have reached the Premier League break. As we mentioned, the World Cup is here. We've played, I'm going to say, 19 games, maybe a little bit less. And, um, yeah, it's been an incredible Premier League season. Things have been kind of turned on their head from what people have predicted. We'll mention that in a little bit of what our predictions said. Um, but I'll lead off with the first game, talking about Tottenham and Leeds. This one ended 4-3 to three in favor of Spurs. Once again, Tottenham going down early. They have gone down first, I think, in 10 straight games or so, including Champions League matches. Not getting out on the right foot to begin with a couple times. Uh, if your name was Rodrigo, this is a great game to be involved with. Uh, four goals scored between two Rodrigos. 
uh, Rodrigo for Leeds, getting one really beautiful uh, slotted goal past Lloris, um, where really he put it in the one spot he couldn't get the ball. And then Rodrigo Bentancourt coming in clutch for Tottenham once again, scoring goals within two minutes of each other in the 81st and 83rd minute to get Tottenham the win. Um, I mean, the comeback kids, they do it once again. The late, late show strikes and really – I, my heart is just starting to become weary um, watching these games in the last 10 minutes. It's just like, Oh my God. Oh my God. I can't, I can't handle this anymore. Uh, but for me, the big note is just that Dayan Kulisevsky and Rodrigo Bentecourt are Tottenham right now. They are the engine that's keeping this team running Steven. And for you as a Tottenham fan as well. I mean, it's just so evident how important they are for us to be successful moving forward. Isn't it? Yeah. I mean, if you were to tell me at this point, Youngman's son's impact on this team would be little to invisible. I would not believe you after winning the golden boot. Um, so yeah, I mean, Kulisevsky has been absolutely huge. Um, and Betancourt doing something that he doesn't really do and scoring goals is nice. Uh, Harry Kane also with 12 goals in the season is nice. We couldn't really afford any other, areas of the team to lack outside of sun. So, I mean, Kulisevsky has been a godsend for the Spurs team. He's creative. God, he's quick. He's strong. Uh, he's, and he dishes it out. Like you kind of know what he's going to do. It's like me playing FIFA. You just, you know, dribble it down the sideline and you just try to cut in and pass. Like, I mean, that's, 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 that's my MO right there. And so it's Tottenham. It's like a video game watching Kulisevsky in the field. Cause he's glides past these players. Um, but yeah, he's been huge. And what's fascinating to me is that these are two Juventus rejects. Uh, we got Benson core for practically nothing. And we're going to pay a $40 million transfer fee at the end of the day for Kulisevsky, which yeah. their impact alone is incredible that we're paying 60 million practically for these two players that have had such an instant impact. And I think Brandon, for me, I watch Kulisewski and the balls that he puts in the box and they're just sublime. They're always right on the head of the player, whoever it is. But um, what is it about Tottenham right now that you're seeing that's either worrisome or excites you about what they'll come out after the world cup doing? Yeah, I think we've said this before. I just don't think son will stay in a rut. Um, yeah. Once he gets back from the world cup, he'll hopefully have a good world cup. Um, coming off that eye injury, that eye surgery, um, and he'll hit the ground running. You know, it's a, basically a whole new season. I think would we have 14, 15 games played um, this season so far in the Premier League. Um, there's no way he won't produce. I just can't believe that. So the fact that you guys are in fourth still mm. – um, really says a lot for what the team has been able to do. And you guys have not looked great. Your defense no. has started to be, become shaky when that was something that we were praising earlier in the season. Um, but now you're scoring goals and be able to grind out results late. Um, I don't know. I think Conte will really enjoy this, this world cup break and get this Tottenham team moving going forward. Having Kulisevsky is back is obviously massive or Charleston will be back and I think sun will be firing. Um, and like I, like I predicted, and I'm going to stand by it. That semifinal for champions league for Tottenham is still looking good. Um, and top four, I think, I think they're still on the money for that. So ch kudos to Tottenham and Leeds. Honestly, I'll give some praise to Leeds here. Cause I don't know if we were, um, mm -hmm. scoring three goals. Their defense obviously is not great. But scoring three goals against Tottenham is not easy. Um, they did it. Jesse Marsh is getting the boys fired up. It was away from home. Um, they just happened to lose in the end. But still another great game by Leeds. Um, if they can start picking up draws, that'll be big for them. I always say it. Yeah. But anywho, two good teams playing each other. It was a fun match to watch. Um, and that's what the Premier League is all about. It is. It is. And yeah, Leeds, I think Leeds probably deserved a draw. I mean, like they scored some good goals. Um, eh. Hey, you know, it's <laughs> I'm going to take the three points. I won the three points, but it just shows, yeah, they have some fight in them. They're not going to go down easy. And I think it takes a little bit of pressure off Jesse Marsh when they've been getting some results somewhat recently. So um, kudos to them. But I think the team that people are keeping the eye on the most recently is Newcastle. Uh, Newcastle just 
stay unbeatable. They win 1-0 over Chelsea. Miguel Almiron st- stays hot, getting an assist to Joe Willick, with who they just score bangers, apparently. That's all they really can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, which brings them up to third in the Premier League table. They've only lost one match this season. Um, you can see it right now. They've won eight games. They've drawn six, lost one. Uh, that brings their point total to 30, sitting only seven points behind first place Arsenal. Guys, is this the time that we start to seriously consider Newcastle for obviously a top four spot, but are we going to include them in the title race for this season? I'm going to save these comments for later in the podcast, but to preview it a little bit, yes, I think they are definitely within a shout, and I'll explain why later. Um, but I, they're definitely in the fight to win the Premier League this year. Um, also, this result against Chelsea was fully deserved. They were the better team. Yeah. Um, Chelsea did not look great. Uh, they looked good. They were fine. But Newcastle really just outplayed them. Um, and you shouldn't say that, I don't think. <laughs> like Newcastle just gave much more energy to the game. Chelsea just couldn't create anything. Um, and, man, that, that crowd was rocking. Uh, I was, it was, God, I love Newcastle. St. <laughs> James Park, baby. That's great, man. People talk about all the time about how that's the best, one of, if not the best atmospheres in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah it's and a giant they, ready to, to pop off. And now with all this investment and new ownership, it's, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Um, well, Newcastle, they stay flying. Brandon, your team under their new manager, Unai Emery, Aston Villa, they cruise past Brighton two to one. Um, what are you seeing from the villains so far under Unai Emery? Um, very clear sense of how we want to play, which is that identity thing that we always talk about. It's clear. Um, and it's also, it changes from game to game, game to game, excuse me. Um, you can still tell the players are still getting used to that style of passing out the back, one touch, the atom, is it called? Automatisms, I think is how you say it where it's like you should know where everybody is on the field at all times so you can just sort of keep your head down and like pass one touch. It's, yeah. Anywho, I think Conte might do it a little bit, but Pep Guardiola has done it. Liverpool does it a lot. Um, but Emery's another one of those guys that uses that. Um, but we that's how we gave up our first goal, or our only goal in the day to Brighton. We turned the ball over right in front of the box and um, gift, basically gift Brighton a goal. It was not really deserved. Um, you know, so then after that though, you see that goal in, goal go in. And as a Villa fan this year, you say, Oh God, we are not coming back from that. An early goal coming back to even try to tie this game is going to be difficult, let alone win it. Gerard's Villa would have lost the game there in that first minute, but Emery's Villa fought back as a team, as a cohesive unit. Ing scored two goals, one of them being a penalty. And Villa played this team block for about 30 minutes at the end of the game just to scrape out a result and get the three away points. I'm, I'm very impressed already. Um, again, still a long season, but he just came in. These are his first two games in the Premier League. Um, I think this break is going to really, really help. And I, we don't have many players going off to international duty. So it's... It's going to be phenomenal for Villa. And I still have hopes of Europe this year, believe it or not, with with this Emory appointment. All right. Wow, 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 wow. That is I keep, bold. I keep thinking of just real quick about these managers moving on to other clubs. Like I was talking about Curtin earlier. I think of Gerard moving from Rangers where he's beloved and winning titles and Champions League appearances and stuff like that. And Graham Potter moving on to Chelsea. And then... You know, Gerard getting the sack and Potter probably not too far behind um, over at Chelsea. So you got to be careful when you make your move. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you got till it's gone. Very true. It is true. The next one that we saw from the weekend, this was a late one. Um, the last game before the whole break, before the World Cup, you had Fulham hosting Manchester United. Um, and really, Fulham looked like they were up to it, to be honest. Um didn't really play too poorly, kept it close until the very end, until the 18-year-old Alejandro Garnacho scored a last-minute winner that took all three points away from Fulham in favor of Manchester United. And, I mean, Fulham, 
they hadn't been playing two point recently. They were they're missing Mitrovic, which may have been a difference for them. Um, hard to say, but Garnacho's been showing up recently for Man U, hasn't he? Yeah, I think so. Um, it's just one of those things, though. Man U pops a 18 year old out every year, starts hot, and then sort of just gels into the team and becomes, I don't know. But uh, they're hoping this Alejandro kid will be not like that and stand out and become a superstar, probably like Ronaldo um, did at his time at Manchester United. Um, but yeah, I don't know, Steve. What do you think about Garnacho? Garnacho. Yeah, I mean, you were talk- yeah, I mean, Fulham looks good, dude. I'll definitely say that Mitrovic would have made a huge difference. Um, yeah, they had so many chances. I think they had double digit in corners to United's like three or four or something like that. They were pressing United and United looked um, like they could break. Dan James came on, looked electric and those balls that he was putting in probably could have been finished by a Mitrovic, but um, didn't happen. Yeah. But then the Garnacho goal at the very end of the game, uh, it was crazy. It was, it was absolutely electric how he just sped past everybody and just, slotted in past Leno. Um and you know Fulham's a good side too. They're top fifteen, right? Um so I think they're ninth. They were they were eighth or ninth, yeah, prior to. Dang. Yeah, that's crazy. So I don't know anything about this kid though. I kind of with Brandon, you know, they're probably gel into the team or that they get infected uh with the rest of the Manchester United apathy syndrome. Um but he should probably get out while he can, you know, maybe go to a little club in North London and, you know, we'll get, we'll get you right. But uh, yeah, the kid looks phenomenal. I loved him taking his Jersey off and showing his Jersey to the fans as if like anybody, I mean, people know who he is obviously in that section of Man United fans, but that was a little silly, but I kind of loved it. I kind of loved the ego. It was, it was kind of fun. So um, I was here for it. Well, you mentioned that apathy, and I think the apathy is really, really starting to settle in for Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, He gave an interview with Pierce Morgan the same night of that big win, which people have been mentioning a little bit disrespectful, not only to the club, but to that 18-year-old Garnacho who had that amazing last-minute winner and kind of stole the spotlight from him. But guys, this one has been a bit of a bombshell, I think. Uh, It's going to be a full exclusive interview uh, I think it's like half an hour long, all these different things. It's I read it was 90 it's minutes. It's yeah, I think it's even 90 worse. Minutes. It's a lot. Um, <laughs> and so there's really what from what I've heard, there's been no punches pulled um from Ronaldo towards Manchester United. And it's one of those things where now the club's in a situation of what happens. So Brandon, kind of give the people a quick rundown from what we know, and let's get in this conversation. This is important. This is potentially the future of Manchester United and the future of Cristiano Ronaldo. This might be a divorce happening in front of our eyes. Yeah. Um, from little snippets that we've seen, uh, he's basically telling Piers Morgan that he feels like he's being forced out by not only the coaches, but by like the staff, like some of the owners as well. Um, he's, he, he says they don't want him there now. And he felt like this last year too, that they didn't, they didn't want him. So that's interesting, right? Like him scoring all those goals, keeping them relative, let's be honest. Um, and they didn't want him back then, or he feels like they didn't want him, want him back then. You know, I it's when you're like the most famous person in the world, it's sort of hard to, <laughs> to be realistic on what that actually means. <laughs> but um, that's how he feels. Um, he, talked to, he went on to talk about Ten Hag and saying, explicitly saying i don't have respect for him because he doesn't show respect for me uh if you don't have respect for me i'm never gonna respect you um which is interesting because he made him captain against villa Um, he played him even when he walked off i think against tottenham um all these things almost honestly given like a spoiled brat more chances and chances and chances and just keeps turning his back on you it's just sort of like that's sort of the taste i'm getting in my mouth it's just sort of weird um, he pulled some shots at uh, Wayne Rooney, who I guess is one of Ronaldo's biggest critics. Um, Ronaldo <laughs> says something like, he criticizes me so badly, probably because he finished his career and I'm still playing at a high level. 
Uh, Ronaldo then also laughs and says, I'm not going to say that I'm looking better than him, <laughs> but it's true. Um, so that is super, that's funny. There's also some other stuff that I've read that he goes into detail about his um, daughter passing and how Manchester United wasn't really flexible with that. Um, so there's a lot of details that we just don't know. Um, it's really going to be a really interesting watch. I hope to watch it actually because um a lot of manchester united fans that i've listened to who are talk also talking about this are saying that he's not the first person to speak out about he also he, he in the interview i guess he's going to talk about like how the training ground hasn't been updated since he left uh, for real madrid and like all these crazy things he's basically taking shots at the owners of the club as well, which goes into the Glazers out campaign. That's massive in Manchester. And, um, you know, some, I've heard some praise for that, like good on him for, for coming out and saying stuff about that. A lot of people just feel like this is not the right time to do it or the, like the right place, especially with Pierce Morgan and all that. Um, so there's a lot of questionable calls here. It's also very timely for Ronaldo as he's not going to be, with Manchester United, he'll be on international duty at a World Cup, probably scoring goals. Um, yeah, I don't know. That was a lot. Hopefully, all that made sense. I'll pass it to Steve. What are your thoughts? Uh, I know Manchester United did come out with a with a statement, basically saying, "Yeah, they saw the media coverage. They're going to consider their response and deal with it." accordingly basically you know just the general pr statement um where does ronaldo go from here or where does the club manchester united go from here i guess during slash after the world cup yeah i mean tin hogs already come out with a statement saying that ronaldo will never play again for manchester united while he's there so i mean that's that's pretty cut and dry black and white ronaldo will not play under tin hog so um and this is Ronaldo trying to get the first word out, right? It's kind of like when you sense the breakup going on and you want to cut it off first so you can get your side of the story out there. It's like, well, actually, this is kind of what had happened. And everyone's like, oh, wow. So I think that's what Ronaldo's doing here, um, but which is becoming more common now, I feel like, with players and with big egos and, like, personalities and stuff like this so i can't really fault him for that uh where he goes from here not back to manchester um i mean he's not even gonna be on the playing squad like he might as well stay i mean i don't know where he lives if it's in turin or in madrid or i mean probably has homes in a lot of different places just stays in portugal um but yeah it's gonna be very very interesting it's very different than the last interview he gave with piers morgan and describing his Champions League um, bicycle kick against U of A, uh, talking about it's almost better than sex, but not quite. Uh, very different tones <laughs> with Pierce Morgan this time. Um, they seem to have that, you know, kind of relationship that they talk about stuff. So it's going to be a killer long interview. So it's it's crazy, though. Um, also, it's writing on the wall, too. Like we were talking about before recording we all knew this was a bad match with Ronaldo and Manchester United going into this season. Um, his agent tried to shop him out. He tried to leave the club, tried to let him leave and it didn't work out. Manchester United was trying to secure a transfer fee. I think if they wanted, if he did leave and I think they just waited way too long, it blew up in their face. Not a surprise. I'm sorry. It's just not this team's playing Europa league football. Zlatan even came out and said, you look at this team as one of the biggest clubs, richest clubs in Europe, and like a dominant force, and then you play for them, and you realize that this is just not the case. So mm-hmm. he's not the first. To be fair to Ronaldo, he's not the first superstar to come in and being like, "Whoa, what is going on here?" So where he goes from here, Ronaldo liked me to say, because I know he watches the pod. Um, <laughs> Ronaldo would like for me to say. He has 10 Champions League teams just biting for him right now um, that are in a bidding war and can't wait to get his signature and can't wait to give him a new challenge and every bonus of new dogs and 
Bugattis, but that's not the case. Sorry, I'm rambling on a little bit. Um, they'll have very limited options. I think Manchester United will be forced to pay. I don't know for some. I just I settled on eighty percent, if not all of his wages. Uh, whatever club he does go to, it'll be for six months. So he's looking for a Champions League team, but that list is not very large for people who are willing to pay for him, take the risk on him, and change the style of play to fit him into their squad. If we thought about it, I mean, his options are slim. Is it a return to Madrid? Is it joining the Bundesliga giants of Bayern Munich? The odds of him joining a Premier League team are probably slim to none. I mean, you have you have Manchester City, Liverpool, Chelsea, and Tottenham are in the Champions League. Okay. It's not going to be City. They don't need him. Liverpool probably aren't going to spend the money on him. At least <laughs> Tottenham and Chelsea, uh, who, again, Tottenham's probably not going to spend the money on him. At least Chelsea, who Todd Bowley wanted him in the summer, but obviously Tuchel didn't, and that was a point of contention. So maybe that's the landing spot. But again, yeah, it's just it's such a strange situation. Uh, one of the world's best players, who we I think the three of us all think still has it in him to be a game changing player, doesn't have a yeah, home. You don't, you don't just score eighteen goals in the Premier League. We were talking about this. It's it's not easy to do. Um, and there's probably only a slim handful of folks who have done it over the premier league history. Um, it's, it's not easy. So the fact that he's doing it at what 37 is he now, I think, um, that's, that's just crazy. But like you said, Steve, like we knew it wasn't going to work this year. We knew he wanted champions league football. Yeah, um, the people that run these clubs, I mean, it's so easy to see. And I think it's just where, like, greed comes in and stuff like that. But, yeah, cool. I mean, those two clubs you mentioned, I mean, Lewandowski not being at Bayern, that's like, oh, look, Ronaldo, the striker, boom, goes there. Um, also, that's not understated, the amount of time that Ronaldo spent in Madrid doing everything the right way, coming in on a big fee, producing Real Madrid, recouping a large transfer fee for him to go to Juventus. Um, nothing but love, it feels like, in Madrid. And you have players like Asensio kind of being on their way out, and Real Madrid just won a Champions League. And they have a good team, obviously, but like Vinicius is you know, still young, and Rodrigo, you can spin it this way. Rodrigo's young, and you, know, you want to protect your key asset in Benzema, so maybe you play Ronaldo in some La Liga games. Does it make sense? You play them together in Champions League games. I think there's a real possibility that he returns to Real Madrid more so than Bayern Munich. Um, and But the dramatic side of me would love for it to be Liverpool. Um, I mean, Manchester United okay. fans hate Liverpool more than City, any other Premier League team that there is. And so, I mean... But he says this is for United. He's kind of like putting this lens around it. Like, because I love this club, mm-hmm. you know, he's quoted Picasso or whatever. Like, you know, you got to destroy something to rebuild it. And I'm happy to be that first piece or something. Um, <laughs> I'm like, wow, so stoic. He's, you know, he, you know, he, you know, it took a while to Google that one. Um, so <laughs> that would be super dramatic and crazy. Um and Liverpool take some pressure off Nunes to score some goals for me. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I think the realistic answer is probably Real Madrid. Is that more realistic though than him just collecting a paycheck, living in Portugal while being, or does he cancel the contract and sign for somebody? I don't know. Uh, but if I had to bet, I would say probably he stays at United this year and just collects the paycheck and doesn't play. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we did see, see the happens. rumor Chupa Motang switch with Ronaldo. We yeah. did see that, which would be insane. I don't know where that rumor came from, but if it has any grounds and that actually happens. Because, <laughs> I mean, Ronaldo's well, going to be like, a like, for, a like for like switch. We're going to be yeah, playing Manchester United. Like, Ronaldo still wants to play, though, too. I just, I'm yeah. thinking about my comment just then, it's like, 
it's not like Gareth Bale, love him to death, but just like he's fine to like not show up to training and train. Like Ronaldo still busts it and is in great shape. And I don't think anyone is doubting that. Um, it's just the attitude kind of deal. And you can tell he still wants to play. So it'd be so weird if he sat out. But I yeah. just don't know where he's going to go. But that Byron move makes sense. That'd be crazy. Um, but anyways. Come yeah, to Tottenham. It's I mean, they could use you there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens. If that contract is voided, if he's bought out, if a team comes and swoops him up. I don't know. Uh, but that interview will be one that you will want to spend the time to watch and listen to um, the Pierce Morgan interview with Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, moving on, we'll have just a couple of last results from the weekend. We had Nottingham Forest. They beat Crystal Palace 1-0. Bournemouth, um, after being on a slide, they take out Everton 3-0. Um, and then the biggest result of the weekend was Brentford winning a late, late one against Manchester City 2-1. Ivan Tony getting both of Brentford's goals. I mean, just the beautiful game coming and scoring the goal in the 98th minute at the Eddie had. So poetic, especially the same week that he was not on the England roster. Um, I mean, come on. Come on, the bees, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't believe he's not on the England roster, to be honest. He's been so good this year. Um, better than Callum Wilson. But, hey, this helps the U.S. I'm telling you, come on, people. Let Gareth Southgate do his thing, and we'll come in and sucker punch him, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> So, but that leaves things at the end of the break. I start at the beginning of the break, end of the Premier League um, so far. Um, with the table looking like this, I mentioned a little bit earlier, you have Arsenal first, City second, Newcastle in third, Tottenham in fourth, Man U sitting in fifth, with Liverpool in sixth, still in range of the top four spot. Um, Brighton seventh and Chelsea eighth in the bottom and relegation. So we have Wolves, they are in 20th right now. It's only 10 points on their resume for the season sitting in 19th with a newly sacked manager is Southampton not a force at 18th Steve Cooper and the boys still trying to get that cohesion um that chemistry going um and then Everton and West Ham both sit 17th and 16th so it's it's an interesting table I don't know if a lot of people would look at this table and have pictured this going into the World Cup break um for you guys let's just imagine ourselves in august what would we be most surprised about looking at the table right now back in august i think we'd be the, the most surprised that steven was right i, don't, I wouldn't be surprised that steven was right but steven was right that this could be the best premier league season ever and it is turning out to be that so far this year um it's really everything we could have asked for there's been drama. I mean, we've had, what, four managers, five managers fired now, something like that. Um, John. I mean, drama at the top, drama at the bottom. You just have no idea what's going on week to week or who's going to win or tie. Or win. I mean, it's it's everything. The most surprising thing is obviously Arsenal at the top um, and Newcastle in third for me. Um, I think that's those are the obvious ones, which we can get into. Uh, I think we praise Arsenal enough. On this podcast, they are just absolutely phenomenal. Um, Arteta has them playing so well. It was such a good team. And it's hard to see them dropping points, to be honest. I can't believe I'm saying that. It's hard to see like how they're going to ever slow down. Um, and then Newcastle still doing it. I have a feeling they might fall off. Um, that's my prediction. But the January transfer window is going to be big for Newcastle. Um, if they want to push for that top four, because it's going to be a push towards the end of the season. Um, but yeah, also throw in West Ham. Uh, was not expecting getting, West Ham to be in to say that. Yeah. Would you say 16th? Whatever it is. 16th um, in the Premier League. They're only one point above the relegation line right now. Yikes. That is bad, David Moyes. And you have some really good players on that team. I, I say really good. You have some good players on that team. Uh, maybe have overperformed the last what two years. Um, that could be the case, but you brought in Skamaka to try to score goals. He hasn't really done that. So, yeah, West Ham's a shocker, I guess I'd say. Um, looking at it, 
Yeah, I mean, I'd echo. Oh, uh, I was just gonna say that. Yeah, I mean, echoing everything Brandon just said, Arsenal obviously, um, and Newcastle up there as well. West Ham down. Uh, you know, Leicester started off the season horribly, but they have found such great form lately, um, winning four out of their last five. Uh, so not really worried about them anymore. Um, but I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll go with Brighton. Uh, just everything around Brighton of selling the amount of players that they've sold this summer to teams like Chelsea, like Tottenham. Uh, little did we know those would be their direct competitors for the top four this year. Um, and their and manager. Sit, yeah, and their manager and getting a fee for him as well and then beating him. Um, that's just crazy. Brighton looks real. Um, and it's these teams like Brighton, Fulham, Newcastle's in a different little world because they have unlimited resources um, to strengthen this side. But, yeah, I'll go with Brighton, man. They are just competing, and it's just so nice to see. Um, if you love sports, you love competition. So it's fun. Season's up in the air. I mean, I don't know what happens. No one knows what's going to happen, uh, especially with the World Cup year. So I'll go with Brighton. The drama behind that club, manager leaving selling so many players i think it amassed to like over 100 million too like they have money they have money in the bank so i'm curious i kind of hope they don't like make any dramatic moves in january and kind of build uh kind of the style that newcastle's doing because come on the seagulls mm. i think the biggest surprise for me is that manchester city is not first um they've only lost two Sorry. games and they've only drawn two, but the fact that they're still sitting five points behind Arsenal. Yeah, um, if I would have expected them to be behind anybody, it would have been Liverpool. And Liverpool's all the way in sixth, ten points behind Man City. So and this is this is this should be, I think, the best team on the planet. And the fact that they're five points in second is to me pretty remarkable considering everything that we thought about them going into the season. Um Fulham, I think are a team that's pretty deserving of being in the top 10 right now. It's unfortunate that they're missing Mitrovic right now. Um, what will they be after the World Cup break? But yeah, as we talked about Brighton, I hope they finish above Chelsea this season. Uh, just the irony of Grand Potter leaving and then getting beaten to a pulp is just incredible. I, I, I don't know how to feel about him. Um, you know, Obviously, chasing a big job is probably anything any of us would have done. Uh, but he had a team that was in like fourth or yeah, fourth place um, when he left the club. And, um, yeah, they deserve a European spot this season without a doubt. Um, but, yeah, again, like it's just – it's so hard to see these things at the beginning of the season. And that's why we love the Premier League. We love the Champions League. We love the Premier League because anything can happen. Um, we've seen teams beat insurmountable odds like Leicester winning the league. So who's to say, you know, Newcastle, Tottenham, Man City, like – those teams that are behind Arsenal can't come back and win the league this season. Like it's just anything can happen. Um, but if we looked back at what we talked about in August, like in the relegation line, I had Nottingham Forest finishing 18th, Brentford 19th, and Bournemouth 20th. And right now, that doesn't even look like that's going to be the case. Uh, maybe Nottingham still goes down, but Southampton and Wolves are looking like they might get the boot this season. I probably. Don't believe in Bournemouth. I'd probably swap out Southampton with Brentford, keep Brentford up. Um, but yeah, it's it's not looking good for those teams this year, is it? Could would you guys change much of your predictions from August looking at it now? Yeah, I put Leeds in 18th, Brentford 19th, Bournemouth 20th. Um, Brentford won't go down, they're too good. Leeds could still go down. Um, they definitely could. Um, so I, I'll stick on Leeds. Definitely Brentford, I'll change, but I'll also stick with Bournemouth. I don't think Bournemouth will finish twentieth, but I still think they'll go down. Um, but I don't know Southampton and Wolves. It'd be so weird to see either of those teams go down. I think um, Wolves just brought in uh, manager. Shoot, what's his name? Lopetegui. Lopetegu. Yeah. Um, former Real Madrid. Real Madrid boss. I think he coached Spain, I want to say as well. I'm mm -hmm. might be tripping. Wow. Um 
yeah, Bournemouth still have not appointed a new manager. It's still um, feels Gary like a O'Neal. lifetime ago that Scott Parker got the sack from Bournemouth. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, they still have have that stand in guy, but I guess you, technically you become a permanent manager after ten games, and I think he's coming up on that to be completely honest um but he's done a good job i mean they're still they're they're above the relegation line so it's good for them and southampton just brought in um well they fired ralph hassan which was i didn't i didn't see them firing him but they sort of had to with their form this year they've not looked great they bring in the luton town uh manager nathan jones i'm had luton town playing some pretty good football we'll see if he can do it in the premier league that doesn't fill me with a lot of confidence, as you can probably tell. That sentence, yeah, <laughs> that had me feeling like, oh. Yes. So I still think Leeds could go down, Bournemouth could go down, but it's between Wolves and Southampton. And I'll say, shoot, man. I, this is probably not even going to end up being true, but if I had to choose those two, Southampton's probably going down as well so I'll, I'll change i'll actually change i'll say leeds southampton and bournemouth this year yeah steve and that leaves me uh i had leeds finishing in 18th nottingham finishing in 19th and bournemouth finishing in 20th um that leaves me in a tough spot um yeah. because i'm so smart uh i'm just kidding it's true it's true um yeah i mean wolves just don't look great at all um whatsoever uh haven't won their past five games um david cost is coming got a red cards here and there everything that i want out of him um i don't know man i mean you still gotta look at everton barely you know, escaping it last year. But then I look at Leeds. Ugh. I kind of want to stick with my prediction, honestly. Stick with it. But Wolves is sitting at – It's all, we're early in, right? We're it's early in. We're sort little, of early. a little less than halfway. I'll go with Bo- – Bournemouth is getting relegated. I know that for a fact. Like, I don't care – Mm-hmm. What happens to me? I, I would bet all my money on Bournemouth getting relegated. Um, the only thing I'm struggling is with time going on, does Nottingham figure it out? I mean, these people are still strangers to each other. Um, they beat Liverpool recently. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> it's like who are they? Bro, I don't know. They don't know. They don't know. Yeah, they that's could the know. Thing. That's, that's they could the wild know, card. They could. They, they could, could they just out. beat they just beat Tottenham in the League Cup. I'm holding I mean, out for Nottingham. I, I think they could it's they're stay. such a weird team. Someone's gotta get relegated. Um I'll go with the three that I originally went with. I think Leeds, Nottingham, and Bournemouth will be relegated. And I think that um I think it'll finish. I don't, I don't think we'll finish the way I put it. Leeds 18, Nottingham 19th, and Bournemouth 20th. I think Bournemouth still has to play Chelsea twice, um, Man City twice, Newcastle twice, Villa twice, Tottenham again. Like, I just, they're not going to win those games. They're going to lose them all. <laughs> but, anyways, uh, yeah, so I'll go with that. I'll be boring and go with my original prediction. Maybe Southampton, okay. I don't know, but yeah, that's what I'll go with. Oh my god! Okay, um, as well, you can tell, it's, it's a, up in the air. <laughs> no yeah, one knows. It is, and the biggest I think factor as well comes into this with the World Cup being in the winter. Uh, we've seen in the past, like a big, you know, big example would be like James Rodriguez. People that have huge World Cups that perform on this world stage that score, you know, Golden Boot winners or just have a big performance yeah. for their teams typically get bought for these big fees and become these big names that get moved in the transfer window. But notoriously, the January transfer window is the hardest window to move because it's short and teams are sort of unsettled on what they want to do as a club. If they feel confident and winning out if they want to kind of sell and you know make some money to recoup money for the summer. We kind of have new ground that we haven't seen before where clubs might be big spenders in January. 
which brings my question to you guys as we approach this kind of, you know, unseen, unprecedented time, who are you guys going to be the, who's going to be the big spender this January from you guys? Steve, I'll start with you first. Who do you think is going to be that big, oh. big spender? Yeah. Um, I think it'll be Newcastle. Um, I think that's the, I think that's the sexy option. New kid on the block up in the top four. No reason not to spend, honestly. Um, money's no issue. So I think that they'll spend. I think they'll bring in maybe a couple a couple pieces. Nothing crazy. Um, I think Tottenham might make like a signing or two, but maybe not. We had a busy summer. I just look at United. I don't think they're going to spend anything. Arsenal, I mean, I don't. Yeah, I think Newcastle's the pick. Um, and maybe, I just don't think, maybe Liverpool. Maybe Newcastle and Liverpool. I don't know why I'm saying Liverpool. I think Liverpool needs freaking help on that roster and that squad. I think they need to get stuff done. They need to spend money. Um, so hopefully they do. So I'll go with Newcastle and Liverpool um, with arsenal maybe adding a piece here or there but also it's gonna be tough with injuries too you just don't know what's gonna happen from now to january which is huge um it's like you said cole it's a really tough window to move people in and guess what world cups usually played in the summer so usually the world cup bounce has a lot more pull than um then it's probably gonna have this year it being in the middle of europeans top five leagues so yeah yeah, it, it's it's tough. Like you said, Cole, the January w- window is always tough. Um, but I'll say Wolves. I think Wolves will drop 80 mil in the January. That's true. Transfer. I wasn't even thinking about the bottom of the table. Um, a new coach who, obviously not a top-tier coach, but well-known enough to maybe have some pull, bring in some new players. That's why I think they'll get out. Um, they're they're going to have to spend money if they want to stay in the premier league. Like they, they need to spend money if they want to stay up. I think they have a good team, but it's just not clicking. Um, I think they'll drop close to 80 if, if they want to stay up. Um, there's really no other teams. I mean, you said them, Steve, I think Newcastle, if they want to make sure they make top four, they will have to buy like two or three players. And those like 20 to 30 million type, players to really bolster their squad i don't know can they do that they probably can um and then yeah liverpool another obvious one like they just they're not great they're not great and if they want to be they have to spend some money yeah i think i I said the difference with liverpool though and chelsea is like chelsea spent a lot of money like both these teams are underperforming this year but liverpool doesn't spend that much and so it's like Chelsea has an embarrassment of riches and they just aren't playing well. Yeah. Like Liverpool and- is very tangible improvements. And that's why I'm thinking like, it makes sense for them to go out and spend some money. Yeah, it does. However, they're up for sale now. And so if a team is up for sale, are you going to still invest money into the club? I guess it helps your evaluation of the club, right? If you go put 40 more million dollars in on a midfielder. Yeah. Does your evaluation of the club then go up, you know, probably over 40 million. Right. So I don't know, maybe they're willing to spin, um, but they might not be if if, if they're trying to sell the club. So Liverpool again is in a weird spot. And I called this, Hey, I wanted to say, I called this one. I said, there's going to be some changes at the club come the end of the year and it's happening in front of our eyes. Um, So yeah, I think Wolves, other than Newcastle and Liverpool, Wolves is the shout that I, I would say is going to spend money. I'm expecting Tottenham to be spenders. Uh, if you remember from the summer, we were given an amount of money that they were going to spend. We have not spent that money. So that's that, not going to happen. <laughs> and that's the thing. That quote-unquote war chest is just sitting there. And Antonio Conte continues to make comments about how this yep. team is not where he wants it to be. Like he wants to bring in more players. So you got to back the manager. 
It'd be first. It would be a first for Spurs. That's the thing. Like a literal first. I know we're linked with Virgil or whatever from Inter to get him and stuff, but that'd be crazy. That's the thing. Like we need to spend to make Antonio Conte happy and to produce how he wants to produce. And that's going to start with the defense. Um, Romero's been unhealthy recently, so he hasn't been getting as much game time. You need you need someone to pair him with. Um, Eric Dyer's been good, but has struggled recently. Longley and Davies have been intermittently switching. Like you just need one more great defender, and that would help sure up your back line. You need a, a right wing back. Um, God, <laughs> so we needed one. We've needed one for the past five years, and. You're not giving Jed Spence the opportunity at all to grow, and you continue to use Emerson Royale, and then you put in Doherty so sometimes. So, so at the very least, I'm expecting at least one defender this January window. It could be someone that's $70, $60 million, or it could be two $30 million players. I don't know, but I'm just expecting Tottenham to make at least one move on the defensive side. Otherwise, you'll hear a lot, I think, from Tottenham fans talking about the improvements that the club knows they need to make but aren't making them, which will bring you know, contract discussions with Harry Kane and Antonio Conte potentially to a halt if they're not willing to invest in the club. Um, so it just, it just depends on what's going to happen, but that would be the team I'm looking at, obviously selfishly, but logistically thinking they need to make improvements in the back line if they want to continue to fight. Obviously top four, but they're still within reach of a title. As strange as that may sound, Newcastle and Tottenham are still there. Um, you still have big games against City and Arsenal that are going to matter. And who is to say these teams won't drop points? So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, especially now that the Champions League is coming back in February as well. We had a big Champions League draw. Um, the most notable, I think, matchup, at least for me, I'm keeping my on, is PSG Bayern, uh, two major teams going at it. AC Milan and Tottenham, Club Bruges and Benfica, Dortmund, Chelsea, Liverpool, Real Madrid, Eintracht, Frankfurt, and Napoli, RB Leipzig and Man City, Inter versus Porto rounds it out. Um, so yeah, for me, I'm looking at PSG Bayern and just one noticing how important that last day was in the match day, uh, four or five, when Benfica scored six goals to get the goal differential <laughs> over PSG to make PSG second in the group. How major that is because now we're going to lose either PSG or Bayern in this tournament, which has huge ramifications for the rest of these teams. So I'm looking at that one, just noticing how major, major, major it's going to be come February. What about you guys? What are you looking at in this Champions League draw that's going to be of note? Yeah, definitely PSG, Bayern. That's really the one that pops off the page. Um, but another one that I would circle is Liverpool, Real Madrid. Um this is a rematch of last year's final um, Liverpool, though they haven't been great in the premier league this year. They've looked really good in the champions league for the most part. And um, maybe a refreshed Liverpool squad with a couple of new players. Maybe they have their health back, whatever it is. Um, they, I think they love this tournament and they're always up for it. Um, you could say the same about Real Madrid. I'm definitely going to be watching this if I can. If, if it's not on the same same time as PSG Bayern, I'll be watching this game. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is on par with the Premier League season of what a what a fantastic draw um, oh, we phenomenal. got here. It's amazing. PSG Bayern. AC Milan's playing Tottenham, which is two of very similar. To, like, that's going to be a great game. Um, Dortmund's going to beat Chelsea. That's going to be hilarious. Um Liverpool, Real Madrid, you have two rematches of Champions League finals going on right now on this stage. That's amazing. Um, doesn't usually happen. So thank you for new teams that underperformed to get the second seed. Um, but yeah, all that being said, I'll go with um, Real Madrid, Liverpool. It's just going to be, I think it'll be a great gauge on where Real Madrid is at. If they beat Liverpool out like resounding, watch the hell out like they are champions league favorites if they if they go out and like slap real like i mean liverpool for the third time in this tournament that's just it's crazy and knows they might have yeah. they might have ronaldo too that's what i was gonna say they might have ronaldo <laughs> yeah they might have ronaldo they might i mean like, give me the drama you know um it's like we're not even paying attention to man city playing leipzig um 
But hey, City hasn't won it. So they could freaking lose. Who knows? So um who knows, man? It's gonna be great. It's gonna be amazing. I'm excited, probably most for the Liverpool, Real Madrid, but all of them are great draws. My dark horse didn't even make it out of the group stage, and now they've been drawn against Manchester United in the Europa League. So <laughs> amazing. You know, things going great for Barcelona. <laughs> um, Brandon, how do you feel about your dark horse moving forward? Inter versus Porto. Inter is my dark horse. I think they have a great shot of going through. Um, Porto squeezed in there. I think on the last day, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, it's, I'm feeling okay. Um, they could definitely should. bow out to Porto, but that's a good draw. Um, I think it'll be pretty even, to be honest. I think it'll be a pretty fair game. Um, but yeah, I'm... I'm sticking with the dark horse and with Tottenham making semis. I think they can do Oof. it. I mean, God. I'll take that. I'll take if you're giving I keep saying it, it. I keep speaking it into existence. So if you're giving it, I will take it. Um, insane. But hey, what an episode. We've had a great hour or so together on the bad so fan. We've made it. Uh, we've covered MLS Cup, the Premier League, Champions League. Um, and it's all building up to this World Cup break that we cannot wait for it to start um, this Sunday. Coming up, Qatar hosting the U.S. and Wales, the first matchup for the Americans in almost eight years since we've played in the World Cup. So pretty fascinating. Uh, we can't wait. Can't wait to have Brandon in town to watch with us. going to be an exciting time. And for all you bad fans that have made it this far, we appreciate you guys listening along and making things like this possible, supporting our coverage of things like MLS, like the Premier League and Champions League. Uh, it makes it fun for us to see your comments and to have likes that helps us to be seen and helps the algorithm think, hey, these guys are fun to watch. They're important. You should subscribe to their channel. Um, but hey, stay tuned with us for our World Cup preview coming up in all things World Cup as it rolls through November and December. You're going to want to follow along every time that we post. You can have those notifications ready to go by clicking the bell below this video. And if you like what you heard, leave a like today and a comment. We want to know what you guys think about everything Ronaldo, what's going on with him at Manchester United, your Champions League draw that you want to watch, and anything soccer related. We'd love to hear more about it. Um, but find us on Twitter and Instagram. You can interact with us there too. But I've been Cole Carter. They have been Brandon and Steven, the bad fan trio, back together once again. Uh, we love you guys. We appreciate you coming out. We'll see you guys in the next one. Peace.